Good morning. Hey, we want to welcome you to the Bible Chapel. We are glad you're here, whether you're at South Hills Campus or in Robinson or Washington or Wilkinsburg or joining us online. We appreciate you taking the time to come and worship with us and worship together. We've had a great summer uh, here at the Bible Chapel and uh, just want to thank you on behalf of the elders and our staff uh, for your continued service to the summer. I know you're busy, got a lot of travel and different things going on, but uh, the service that you provided during the summer, whether working with children or youth or adults, and uh, your continued giving during the summer, that's been fantastic. For those of you who gave to generally or to uh, Beyond These Walls, we appreciate that. Beyond These Walls was a capital campaign we did a few years ago and has really become a mantra uh, for us, and that has allowed us to truly get beyond the walls here of this uh, campus and plant other campuses around the area. Uh, I, I, ha- I have to read this to you. I got this email this week. It was titled, Beyond These Walls, and uh, the first line was, I felt compelled to tell you something that has happened. Now, that I, that's all I saw on my phone when I first saw it, so I thought, oh, great, what's this? But uh, in parentheses, it said, it's a good thing. And so, uh, listen to this story. This is a great story. So, we've been doing the Beyond These Walls thing for years, and I've never contributed Somehow I decided in my heart that it wasn't that important and there was enough money coming through our church. Well, God taught me a lesson. I have this student who is a recovering heroin addict with four children. She shared her story of coming to know the Lord and also the many hardships that she has dealt with. From the overdose of her brother to currently living in a three-quarters house. She is new in her faith she knows it, only, it is only Jesus who can fill the void in her life, and only he who can replace the high she desires from this horrible drug. I told her how she needs support uh, from all those around her. She needs brothers and sisters who she can lean on and learn from. Yes, she has her AA meetings and her sponsors, but she needs to learn more about and truly experience the love that Christ has for her. So where can she go find a place? She has no family here. Her children's father lives in Philadelphia and is also an addict. Her dad, who has custody of her oldest child, lives a few hours from here. She needs a good church. Well, it turns out that our Wilkinsburg campus is only two miles from her three-quarters house. She could walk there if she has to. So she finally visited this past Sunday with three of her four children. Frozen was a sermon topic. Her children were so excited. They loved it. They said to her, Mommy, when can we go back? And why haven't we been coming here before? She was in tears as she described how the first person who met her was our campus pastor, Dave DiDonato. What a warm welcome she received. They also went above and beyond to make an exception to place her toddler, who's very rambunctious, in the nursery. Clearly, whoever made that decision saw something with that family and knew that an exception had to be made. What a blessing that was for her. She told me that she feels like she has a home now and that she's finally made a good decision for once in her life. Only God working through his people can orchestrate something so perfectly. From the time of this young woman coming to the school where I teach and God using me to communicate with her to the warm welcome from Dave and the Wilkinsburg campus, child care workers who saw a need and filled it, sermon series that spoke to her and her children, and finally Beyond These Walls campaign that supported 
and enabling, uh, enabled planning a new campus, I want to thank you. How foolish I am for limiting myself from being a part of this. May I not be so skeptical in the future. May I not be so selfish with my money. It is his anyway. A great story. So here's, uh, here's the deal. Two things on that story. First of all, we have the campuses around the area because you have given. That's your story. And we appreciate that you are willing to go above and beyond to, to take the message of Jesus Christ beyond these walls. If you're involved in it, thank you so much. If you're not, we'd love for you to join it. If you are saying, I have no idea what beyond these walls is, we'll have some information meetings coming up here and, and you can be a part of those. The second thing I loved about that story, and, and I know uh, that person, uh, the story's about is listening in Wilkinsburg right now. Um, we're all like you. We're all broken, aren't we? We all have our issues. We all have things in our life that uh, need to be fixed. And we tried to fix it on our own, and we can't. So uh, behind all the beautiful faces and uh, Sunday clothes, we all have challenges in our life. And it's only Jesus Christ that meets those needs. And so uh, together we come as him, with him as our focus. I want to thank you too for your response to the general admission series uh, this summer. We had a fun time uh, doing that. That's the first time we've done that, uh, using movies to illustrate the truth of God's word. Michael McCormick, our campus pastor out in Robinson, did a fantastic job. Tunch Ilkin, our men's pastor, did a great job. Scott Harvey, our executive pastor, did a great job last week, and we encourage you to visit the website if you didn't see any of those. Uh, by the way, just out of curiosity, how many were here last week uh, for Frozen? Okay. Uh, I was actually watching it on the road somewhere outside of Charlotte on the online, uh, uh, on my iPhone, actually. And uh, I saw Scott singing and dancing. <laughs> <clears throat> And, uh, and I saw you encouraging him. And so after that, uh, this week, really some good news and bad news as a result of that. Uh, the, the bad news is that uh, Scott, with your encouragement, um, auditioned for our dance and worship team. And, uh, and the good news is he was turned down on both, both of those. So thankfully that didn't work out. Well, today we kick off a brand new series called Hashtag Jesus, and we are very excited about this series. We're going to be joint journeying through the Gospels to learn more about the one who loved us so much that he would leave heaven itself and come and die for us on the cross, bear our sins in his body on the cross. In this series, we're going to learn a lot about Jesus. We're going to follow him uh, during his earthly ministry through Galilee, Samaria, Judea, that area of land today we call Israel that's so small it could fit inside the state of New Jersey. We'll consider the politics and economics of the day. We'll consider his teaching. We'll listen, listen to his conversations with the disciples. And we'll learn why the religious leaders had a real problem with this carpenter turned rabbi from Nazareth. We're going to find out why so many people were attracted to him and why some of those same people had a real problem with him and turned away. We're going to learn many things about Jesus. 
But the purpose of the series is not adding more bits of information into your mental Jesus folder. So as we get started today, I want to share with you the purpose of the series. I want to share with you, when the, when, the, when the last sermon of this series is preached, there are three things that we truly desire happens in all of our lives. So let's pray, and then we'll talk about those three things. Father, thank you for the fact that through Jesus Christ, we can sing, it is well with my soul. Thank you, through Jesus Christ, we can know you, and we can love you, and we can walk with you. Thank you, Father, that... Uh, that in our brokenness and in the, in the messes all of us have made in our lives, you always meet us right where we are. But you are God and you don't leave us there. You take us to that place you want us to be. Thank you for that. Father, we have come together, we have sung together, we've interacted with one another. Before we look at your word, we want to pray together as Jesus taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. Okay, when we finish the series, three things we pray happens in all of our life. Number one, we pray that as we study about Jesus, we will come to know him more intimately. And I cannot get over the fact that the God who created the heavens and the earth, the God who hung the stars in place, the God who is omnipresent, omnipotent, and omniscient. He is all-knowing. He knows everything there is to know about everything there is to know. He is the eternal God. There's never been a time when he didn't exist. There will never be a time when he will not exist. That same God loves us so much that he desires to have a personal relationship with us. He desires for us to Call him our heavenly father. He loved us so much that he sent Jesus to die for our sins so that great separation could be bridged by the cross. That personal relationship with God is demonstrated uh, to us through the, through the first pages of the Bible when God in Genesis stooped down and breathed into man the breath of life. And it's demonstrated through the book of Revelation when he ushers us in to the new heaven and new earth to live with him forever. John 3.16 never gets old, does it? For God so loved the world. Say it with me. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. That verse goes on to say, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Think about it. Jesus came to embrace us, whoever we are, wherever we are, whatever we're doing. Jesus came to interrupt our life and embrace us into a real, living, dynamic, personal relationship with him, an intimate relationship with him. He doesn't want us to know just who he is. He wants us to know 
him intimately. And he wants us to know him experientially. He wants us to feel that intimacy in our life every hour of the day, every area of our life. He does not want us just to follow him through the motions. He doesn't want us just to be those religious people who recite creeds and prayers. He doesn't want to be an acquaintance with us. Jesus wants to know us intimately. In our study, we're going to see Jesus speaking sometimes to large crowds uh, from the hillside. Uh, he'll, be, he'll be speaking to uh, one time over 5,000 uh, people from the mountain, the, the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, sometimes he, uh, the, the crowds were so big, they were pushing him into the sea and say so he got in a boat so he could go out to sea and preach to the crowds. There are many times that Jesus preaches to large groups. But you know what I found as I studied the Gospels? Most of the time, a large amount of the time, the ministry of Jesus is face to face, one-on-one. His invitation to the disciples normally were face to face, looking them right in the eye and saying, hey, follow me. The woman at the well, remember her? One-on-one meeting discussing the personal, uncomfortable issues of her life. Nicodemus came to Jesus for a private meeting at night, and after an exhausting day, Jesus taught this esteemed teacher what it really meant to have spiritual rebirth. Zacchaeus, one of the wealthiest men in his area, for certain the wealthiest man in Jericho, ran ahead of the crowds to get in a tree so he could see Jesus, and Jesus looked at him in the tree and said, Zacchaeus, come down. I'm going to your house. And we're going to have a meal together. So many of the, of the teaching times of Jesus took place reclining at a meal, in a home, walking on the road with his disciples. Jesus wants to have a personal, intimate, warm, experiential relationship with you. He wants you to experience him working in your life. Here's a question. Is that the kind of relationship that you want with Jesus? Turn with me to Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3 of the Apostle Paul, who was an expert teacher, a well-known rabbi, was interrupted by Jesus in a personal encounter, and his life was changed And Paul, writing to the Christians in Philippi, said this, But whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. Whatever, what is more, I consider everything a great loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. Can you say that? I consider everything in my life a loss compared to the greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord for whose sake I have lost all things, I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law. Paul said, I tried that. That didn't work. But a righteousness that comes through faith and is in Christ, a righteousness that comes through God and is by faith. And then look at verse 10. I want to know Christ. 
I don't want to know more facts about Jesus. I want to know him personally and intimately and relationally. I want to know Christ and be found in him or have the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. And so somehow to attain the righteousness of the dead, I want to know Jesus. Is that our desire? I mean, is that, is that really our desire? Is that really the aim of our life? Think about your life. Think about the things you've done this past week. Think about the things that, 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 that caused your emotions to burn. Think about the, the things you're involved in. Think about the time. Think about your schedule. What part of it in there really was a passion to know Jesus more intimately. Growing up, I used to hear this story a lot uh, of, a, of a, a dinner in one of those old English estates, kind of the pride and prejudice type of situation. And you know how that worked. They had, to, they had a meal in this formal, uh, big formal dining room, and then they all retired to the sitting room. And uh, in the sitting room, they, would, uh, they had no TV or anything, so they would entertain each other, sometimes by just conversation, sometimes instruments, playing instruments. Uh, sometimes they'd sing a song, sometimes recite a poem. So the story goes that in this one particular evening, a guest had been invited, and, and, and he was a famous actor. And when it came his turn to entertain the people, he recited the 23rd Psalm, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. His rendition, his rendition I'll get that word right, that's a hard word actually to say, was magnificent. And, uh, and, and, and everyone applauded when he was finished. They thought, man, this is great. This guy's great. It was dramatic. At the end of the evening, uh, there was an old aunt of the estate owners, and she was dozing in the corner, and she had missed most of the evening. And uh, they wanted her to participate. So they said, hey, it's your turn. And she got up, and in a quivery voice, she started, not knowing what the actor had done, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He leads me by quiet streams. She went through the psalm. When she was finished, many people sat silent with tears in her eyes, in their eyes. Later, one of the guests went to the famous actor and said, Hey, when you gave it so dramatically, we applauded. And when she gave it, we were moved to tears. Why the difference? Here's what he said. I know the psalm. She knows the shepherd. How about you? You've been around church for a long time. You know all the stuff. You know the psalm. But do you know the shepherd? I mean, do you know him intimately? At the end of our study, I pray that's the first thing, to know Jesus intimately. Number two, to follow Jesus passionately. I got to tell you, this summer <clears throat> has not been a particularly good one for the evangelical church, churches like ours. One teacher of a Bible-based ministry was fired from his position for inappropriate conduct. Another made the news for his multi-million dollar house and his cult-like practices. And yet another out west 15,000-member church, 250,000 people listening to his podcast every week. 
was the subject of a blistering New York Times article. After plagiarism, misuse of church funds, hiring a firm to make him a number one best-selling author, and his dictator-like leadership led to 21 former pastors to join a complaint against him. He's been put on a six-week leave, and according to several accounts I read this week, the church is it's closing down some of its sites and, and imploding. In a USA Today article, picking up that same theme, they titled theirs, Rock Star Pastors Lose Luster. And Jim Henderson, a Christian author, he believes that this whole celebrity pastor era brought on by the internet is waning. But USA Today, of all sources, asks the real question. Listen to this. Henderson may be right, USA Today says, about the beginning of the end of celebrity megapastors. Until this process runs its course, however, fans of these pastors and Christian leaders have a big question to ask themselves. Who ultimately are they following? Jesus or their pastor? That's a penetrating question, isn't it? See, who are you following, Jesus or a person? Certainly, you guys, this is a room full of leaders, business leaders, education, medicine, law. I, I get it. You guys know the, 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 the weight a leader has. You understand that. You also know the responsibility. You need to be a godly example. But anytime, anyone, anywhere puts too much trust, an unhealthy amount of trust in a person be it a pastor or a spouse or a mentor or a friend or any leader, you will be disappointed every time. And during this series, <clears throat> I pray that we would fall in love again with Jesus, maybe for the first time. I pray that our faith and our following would not be about a person, but would be about the person of Jesus Christ. Turn with me to Luke chapter 7. Luke chapter 7. This is a story about Jesus at a meal again. And uh, he is uh, with a Pharisee named Simon. And while he is with this uh, Pharisee, they're reclining at the table. In that day, you reclined at the table on your left arm, ate from not in a chair, but in a table about this far off the ground with your right hand, and your feet were by another person's face, and so it was very traditional and practical when you walked in for someone, normally a servant, to, to wash your feet. And so they had gone in to eat, and uh, a lady comes. And Luke says she was a lady who had lived a sinful life. That's what Luke tells us. So, so the, 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 the sin was known. Maybe she was a prostitute. We don't know. And she came in with a jar of expensive perfume. And when she saw Jesus, she started weeping so much that the tears were rolling from her eyes. And she wet Jesus' feet with her tears. 
And then she took her hair. Think about Just picture it. She took her hair and she started wiping his feet. And then she kissed his feet. And then she poured the perfume on his feet. And Simon the Pharisee saw this going on. He said, well, that settles that. Jesus is not who he said he was because there's absolutely no way a prophet would allow this sinful woman to even be near him, let alone touch him. Luke chapter 7, look at verse 40. Jesus knew what he was thinking, and he answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two men owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed him 500 denarii, about a day's wages. A denarii is, so 500 days' wages of that day, and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him. So the moneylender canceled the debts of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt canceled. You've judged correctly, Jesus said. And then turned to the woman and said to Simon, See this woman? I came into your house, and you did not give me any water for my feet. You didn't even offer me the common courtesy of washing my feet. But she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't, you didn't give me a kiss, the common uh, greeting of the day. But this woman... From the time I entered, she has not stopped kissing my feet. You didn't put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, her many sins, have been forgiven, for she loved much. But he who has been forgiven little, loves little. So the great thing about being a believer for many years is that we can grow and mature in our faith, right? The dangerous thing is we can forget what a sinner we were. And if we have any Pharisee in us, we can forget what a sinner we are. The sin is one Old theologian said, the sin of every seed, the seed of every sin, the seed of every sin is planted right here in my heart. And you know that to be true, and I know that to be true. There's no sin above us, but for the grace of God. And we want to be those who come with the repentant understanding of our sin because He and she who have been forgiven much, love much. And until we realize what God has saved us from and what God is saving us from and what God will save us from, we'll never have that true desire to follow him passionately because we can say, you know what? I'm doing pretty well on my own. When we realize our sin then we begin to follow Jesus passionately. I pray through this series that we, uh, that we know Christ intimately. That we follow him passionately. And finally, that we obey Jesus 
wholeheartedly. John 15, 14, 15, Jesus said, if you love me, what? Prove it. Not enough just to go around saying to my wife, Lori, I love you, I love you, I love you, but my actions show that I don't. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commands. Obey me wholeheartedly. John 15, uh, 9 says this, as the, as the Father loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you'll remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my, check this out, so that my joy may be in you. You really want joy in your life? It follows obedience. So that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. You see, obedience to Jesus means that I have, to, I have to transfer the focus off of me and my wants and my needs and my happiness and find true joy only when I submit and I surrender to him. It's hard to do, isn't it? That's hard to do. That's a daily assignment. And I got to tell you, That is not an attractive message. More people would like to hear, you just come and God will make you happy and he'll fix everything in your life. And, uh, you know, you just, whatever you want, he's the genie there to make it happen for you. I want you to watch this. Uh, This is from the largest church in the United States. Um, This video You probably have seen it. It has been buzzing around the internet. This church is co-pastored by a husband and his wife. Check this out. God just wanted to encourage every one of us to realize when we obey God, we're not doing it for God. I mean, that's one way to look at it. We're doing it for ourselves because God takes pleasure when we're happy. That's the thing that gives him the greatest joy this morning. So I want you to know this morning, just do good for your own self. Do good because God wants you to be happy. When you come to church, when you worship Him, you're not doing it for God, really. You're doing it for yourself because that's what makes God happy. Amen. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. The Cosby part wasn't part of the service. (laughs) We laugh. But hundreds of thousands of people taking that teaching every week. It's always uplifting. It's always encouraging. It always makes you feel good. See, God just wants you to be happy. But errant teaching leads us down a path far from Jesus. And we laugh until we look in our own heart. And then it's not that funny anymore, is it? Because I know down deep, I don't just want to be happy. There are some things I got to work on. Obedience is hard. Obedience means I don't always get my way. 
Are we willing to follow Jesus wholeheartedly, to obey him wholeheartedly? At the end of his Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew chapter 7, Jesus ended with a story about a wise and foolish builder. Jesus has been talking about all kinds of things, all kinds of instruction in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, and now he's wrapping up his sermon. He says in uh, verse 24, therefore, based on what I've said, everyone who hears these words of mine and, and, there's the connector, puts them into practice. See, a lot of us can hear the words of Christ, but not get around to putting them into practice. But Jesus said, if you hear a man, put him into practice. He's like a wise man who built his house on a rock. When, uh, when the gospel writer Luke tells the story, he says, he, he, says he, he dug deep until he found solid rock. The rains came down, the streams rose, the winds blew against the house, and yet it didn't fall. Why did it didn't fall? Because it was built on a solid foundation. It was built on a rock. Everyone who hears these words of mine and doesn't put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand and the rains came and the streams rose and the winds blew, beat against the house, and it fell with a what? A great crash. Now, even though Jesus was a carpenter, he wasn't telling us here how to build houses. He was telling us how to build our lives. If you are willing and ready to build on the rock. To, to read God's word and put it into practice, even when it's hard. Then, then that's the wise building of a life that is built on a rock, that when the inevitable storms come and the inevitable challenges come, it stands. But when you're not willing to do that, those same storms are going to blow your life to bits. Following Jesus is about obeying him wholeheartedly. Putting his words into practice in one word, obedience. And we all know obedience is hard. So we have to make the decision in our life. Are we going to surrender to our own will or to the surrender of Christ? And again, that's a question we have to ask, not just once a day, but throughout the day as situations and temptations and challenges come. So that's the journey ahead of us. We want to know Jesus intimately. We want to follow Jesus passionately. We want to obey Jesus wholeheartedly. You know, following Jesus during this life and into eternity is the greatest adventure known to man. And we have the opportunity to, to start that adventure fresh. I love the starts of New Year's because we can, we can make commitments, rededications, maybe dedications for the first time. So there are a couple things that I'm going to ask you to do. One of the things, if you're into social media, um, we want to interact with each other. We want to encourage each other. As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. And so during this week, 
uh, we would ask you to answer this question, what I want to learn or confirm or change during this series. Here's something I want to learn. Here's something I want to confirm. Here's something I want to change. And as you know, if you're on Facebook or Twitter, if you'll just put hashtag the pound sign, hashtag Jesus TBC, that's a symbol that collects all of the thoughts and we can communicate those to you. If you're not into that at all, then just email me these things and I'll get them to the right person because we want to interact together on this thing. It's a beauty of social media. So think about that during the week. What do I want to learn? What do I want to confirm? What do I want to change? I believe it's important that we determine what we want out of something so that we set the goals to do it. Now, just saying it is one thing, but we got to do it. Here's the second thing I want you to do right now. You should have gotten a three-by-five card uh, when, you, uh, when you came in, if you'll pull that out. <clears throat> and on that card, I'd ask you to write three words. Uh, the word no, the word follow, and the word obey. No, follow, obey. This is between you and the Lord, so think about this, and let me ask you some guiding questions here. If you say, you know what, I'm just, I'm just kind of getting started on this deal. I'm not, I'm not for sure even who Jesus is at this point, but I'm here, and he's speaking to me about something, and I want to start the journey. I want to begin the process of knowing Jesus. Circle the word know. Some of you, you know Jesus. You've been walking with him for a long time. And you're saying, you know what? I got to step it up. I am not satisfied. I will, I will not sit here a year from now in the same level of knowing him that I have right now. I want to know him more intimately. I want to begin to experience his work in my life. I want to feel his presence in my life. Circle the word no. word follow. Some of you are saying, this is new to me. I don't know what it looks like to follow Jesus, but I want to figure it out. I want to find out. Circle the word follow. Some of you are saying, I've been a follower of Jesus for years, but I'm more passionate about the Steelers' terrible loss on Thursday night and worrying about the season than I am about my walk with Jesus. And I got to change. I'm more passionate about making money I'm more passionate about what gets me up in the morning and what fires me up at night is my job. I got to change. I, I want my first thought to be Jesus. I want my last prayer before I go to sleep to be to him. I want to follow him passionately. If, if, if someone looks at my life and they say they're, that person is passionate about something, I want them to say they're passionate about the relationship with Jesus. They're not some religious crazy fanatic, but they have this passion about following Jesus Christ. Circle the word follow. The last one, obey. You say, you know what? I want to learn what it means to obey Jesus. I'm not for sure what that means for me. Circle the word obey. Some of you are saying, I know exactly what that means. I got some stuff in my life. Some attitudes, some mindset that are sinful. I got to get out. Some things I'm doing, I got to stop. Some things I'm not doing, I got to start. 
It's not rocket science. I don't have to do a lot of research on this. I know what these issues are. And I'm making a commitment now. By God's help, by his grace, I'm going to start or stop or change. Circle the word, obey. Kirk is going to come out and lead us in a great hymn of the faith. I surrender all. And we pray that is your prayer as Kirk comes out and leads us in that song. As we're singing, uh, as people did at the Saturday night service and the 9 o'clock service, I'm going to ask you to take that, that card, again, if you want to, it's between you and the Lord, and drop it off at the cross, one of these crosses here down front. Just, just as an action to say, I'm serious about this. I'm not messing around with this. I'm willing to take, I'm ready to take the next step. I got to get to the next level. What I've been doing is not good enough. I can't do this on my own. It's going to be God's grace and his power working in my life, but I'm surrendering myself to him. I want him to work through me. Then just drop that card off at the cross as we sing together. So let's stand. And Kirk can lead us in this last song. Oh, to Jesus I surrender all. To Him I freely give I will ever love and trust in His presence day.